What's God's goal? To bring to shame to those who arrogantly tout self-earned wisdom. It's called degrees, certificates, training programs. And hopefully some of you that are listening would say, well, that's a fine thing to say, someone who's chancellor of a of an in- training institution. Please don't forget our objective in this institution, that is to do all this training in Christ Jesus. Christ is your teacher. Then he can use external resources to grow you. Also, we need to look that he might make them ashamed, that is, humble them by showing them how little he regarded their wisdom and how little their wisdom contributed to the success of his true gospel. Now let's look at how he does this. It's a little embarrassing. With God's goal of shaming the worldly wise leaders, he overlooks them. That's it. That's the method that he uses. He overlooks them. Do you know what the worst kind of rejection there is for a human on the face of the earth? Not to be noticed. You're nothing. You don't even deserve me to look at you, let alone listen to you. That's what hell is. There's no connection with life. None. You think these people in hell are going to talk to each other and have coffee together? You don't understand what hell is. Hell is pure separation and darkness. You will live in isolation and darkness with nobody, not even Satan, your best friend. Nobody. Forever. So what God is saying here and showing us is his method of functioning and dealing with these wise people is the biblical word to overlook them. To act like they don't even exist. Hebrew. So he goes on to overwhelm the real fools and their schemes of wisdom with shame, which is denial of an authority's blessing, resulting in no eternal weight of glory, which is what Paul calls it. We do not understand that everything we do either builds up eternal weight of glory or it sends the weight to Satan. It's either glorifying the works of Satan or it's glorifying the works of God. If you think you've got yourself set up as an independent God, and there's three forms of Godhood out there, God the Father of the universe, Satan, head of the world, and myself. Well, I think we need to just let you believe that. Because that is why Jesus will come back and show you there's only one God. And Satan is a wannabe. 
And so are you. And you're all going to pay for it. You see, we've had almost 7,000 years of God giving us the message of truth. So there won't be any of this, boy, I wish someone would have told me. Those of you who are listening tonight, this could change your life forever. And I do mean forever. Then there's some of you that are listening going, yeah, 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 heard this before, done that, heard it preached, read the book, and I wrote one. And you're still going to hell. You see, all these wise people wrote books. The writing of books is endless and weariness to our body. They are very smart people. But it doesn't change the simple fact they're going to be overlooked by God. They're going to be treated as if they didn't even exist. So I don't care what their track records are of who they knew that knew Jesus or if they grew up in a Christian home, God only knows what that means. It doesn't matter. There's not one thought of man or Satan that impresses God. And it certainly will not give you a ticket into eternity with him. And this is what is being said to us. So he chooses weak leaders. The Lord is expressing himself through Paul's writings here in what the Greek refers to as a very strong sermon, teaching, emphasis. This is one of those messages with a punch. He desires to convey the strongest in the strongest terms The fact that God had illustrated his plan by choosing the vessels of least esteem among the people. Now Paul was not one of these least among the people. He was probably the most educated man on the face of the earth at the time as a high priest started training at six years of age. So the hell that Paul had to go through to reduce him to being able to say in Galatians 6.3, for anyone who thinks he's something when they're nothing deceives himself, Paul understood that statement. He was trained up in a home, being taught to be something. And then he meets this God that blew him off of his horse, blinds him for two and a half years. He can't get around anywhere without someone helping him, show him where the potty was. He was, God was creating dependence on him versus his knowledge and education. That's what happened to Paul. I think Paul knows what he heard from the Spirit to write. He is revealing a divine plan of his function and overflow. He makes it clear in our passage, therefore, that he will not honor, favor, or bless any other form of function 
and I'm saying that in the most practical term. I get tired of listening to you Exchange Life teachers. I get tired of listening to you preachers who are preaching not I but Christ. Give me the functionality of how to live it. Do you see that's what retards a pastor? Is to get him to say the same thing over and over and over where the words have no impact anymore on society. That's where our churches are today in the post-truth era. You're boring. The spirit of the living God has a fresh message in you, pastor. Quit leaning on your books on your bookshelves. Stop opening that filing cabinet and grabbing one of your canned speeches. Let the spirit of the living God bubble out through your body, your soul, and your spirit to teach a message to your people who deserve by heaven's side the privilege to hear the truth. And if you don't know what that is, I would use that 602-292-2982 because I would be more than blessed to share the truth and life of Jesus Christ with you. That the leader in me is why I can lead. For without him, I cannot lead. I am a failure. This is all accomplished through his choosing the humble and the lowly. The people who truly believe that they absolutely are nothing outside of Christ. This is what obligates Jesus Christ himself to break you. This is it. It is a mandate of heaven because it's a mandate of God. It's a mandate of Jesus, therefore it's a mandate of the Holy Spirit to bring you to the point of not only being able to quote Galatians 6.3, but to live it. He who thinks he's something when he's nothing nothing, deceives himself. But it does go on and say that the truth is not in them. But I'll leave that part out because that's too offensive. That little thing that Paul tacked on most of his writings, and the truth is not in them. Do you know who is the truth? Jesus. So when that statement is made, what is it in the what? And Jesus is not in them. The greatest trick and illusion, Satan, the Antichrist, what we read earlier tonight, The greatest illusion, the trick that he has done to the world today is getting people to think they're Christians when they're going to hell. He knows more than you know when Jesus himself made that statement. He said, many shall come before me. And say, I casted out demons in your name. I preached in your name. 
I perform miracles in your name. And of course, Jesus replied and said, what? I don't know you. Now, I'll say it the way the original text is. For I know you not. Who are you? Do you exist? Now, can you imagine that? These are millions of preachers and teachers through the ages approaching Jesus on that day of judgment, which we all have to go through. True indwell believers get forgiven. But they're standing there, and Jesus, this one they were doing all these miracles in, his name and whatever, they were doing it in the name of Satan. Satan does do miracles. Check Pharaoh out, he'll tell you. He's a great replicator. This is his illusion. This is his trick. And how many people are going to their graves tonight? There are people dying every single second I've been preaching. Tonight! They are entering hell thinking they were saved. Where does my passion come from on preaching the indwelling life? And knowing the functionality of it, that is it. We are the lukewarm church of the final days. God, please save us. So who are these or what are leaders of nothingness? Well, that which is nothing is nothing. Yes, I actually found that in the Hebrew. That was kind of fun. I'm like, wow, God's almost got a sense of humor. That's the best way to describe nothingness because it's nothing. But it does go on. All who believe that their somethingness is significant, it said that are of things of worthlessness. When you are of worthlessness, there's no price to resell. It's worthless. It's a worthless thing. In the Greek, nothing literally means that which has no existence. It also says those who believe they are below contempt itself which is beneath consideration. And here God's saying, I'm just going to overlook them. They're out there building their degrees and their careers and whatever. And God's just overlooking them. And he's going, let's see, where's a humble, lowly person that thinks they're nothing? Who has a real self-image problem? That's who he's hunting for. Because see, they're already broken. They're already in a position, I am nothing. No one cares about me. Exactly. 
That is a reality. Nobody cares. And then Jesus steps up. And he goes, I do. But it's going to require dependence with brokenness. Are you okay with that? No, not really. Okay, then. You don't exist. Why do people go to hell? It's because they don't exist to God. In order to get on the existence list, you have to be seen through the eyes of Jesus. You see, he sees Steve Finney through Jesus. There's no significance in Steve Finney. Not one reward is going to be given to me unless I am born again and dwelt by his son. Thus, his rewards become mine. That's how it works. So he who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. I am supposed to live as an indwelt believer that I am beneath consideration. And you guys know my personal struggle with wanting to be recognized. Minimally by members in the community that I'm an okay preacher. And God goes, no. Sorry. Didn't give it to Paul. And I'm not giving it to you. Embrace it and get her done. That's how Paul left us. Okay, Paul. You're at the end. Nobody supports you. You're correct. Let's finish the race. Let's get her done. In God's modality of function, and I truly mean function, when dealing with those who consider themselves something, he passes by them as if they did or do not exist. Well, I asked God at my desk this week as I was pinning this, I said, God, does that also mean that if you see something I'm doing out of selfish reasons, ideas, writing, anything, does does this count for me too? Or are you just talking about the unsaved people? And in my conscious mind, he made it very clear. Anything you do that my son doesn't do through you, I overlook. It has no power of acknowledgement in my mind. And I couldn't do anything but weep. Because everything I did became based on Christ in me doing it or me replicating what Christ does. You probably didn't get that, but I did. 
It's a life changer. My life is different tonight than it was last week. I said, God, I never, ever want to lose what I got with you this week. I never want to be shortchanged on being overwhelmed in my office by the presence of God. Of having the Holy Scriptures come alive when I read them. They have the spirit of the word and the spirit that is in me bearing witness and it creating this power change. That it cleans up my mind so fast I don't have time to read a book. i got to get it out and communicate it to someone. True knowledge is released. It's not studied. And I know what that means. Personally. He passes by them as if they do not exist. As not having sufficient importance. To be esteemed worthy. Even of the slightest notice. It's right out of the original text. Slightest notice. It's it's just like God's walking. I'm over here doing my thing, thinking I'm something when I'm nothing. And God's walking out. It's not one of these. There he goes again. That's a slight notice. He just walks by. There's no acknowledgement of that activity. It doesn't sign up for the weight of glory. It doesn't get a reward attached to it. But if he walks by and he sees that whatever it is that is going on as a result of his Holy Spirit inside me, he stops for a cup of coffee and has a chat. He is drawn to his own life. Intimacy results out of overflow. But if I'm doing my own thing and studying the Bible, doing my own thing and writing a book or doing my own thing and whatever, he just walks by. There's no acknowledgement, not the slightest look of how clever I'm writing. This is how God cleaned up my writing this week. We're putting tons of courses together. I'm going through tons of material for the past 30 years. And God is really stopping me saying, did I speak through that person? Or is this creative, clever ideas, wisdom of men? Since self-earned Wise men strive to be noticed through their own self-acquired qualifications. In their passion to gain attention, the Lord passes over them. Does that Passover thing sound familiar to you at all? When you hear of Passover, what comes to mind? So the door and the blood over the door the demonic spirit came into town, right? And any time he saw the blood over the doorway to their lives, 
which in the Hebrew is the doorway of the patriarch, the leader. Go read it yourself. You have to get into your Greek a little bit. That the demonic spirit has to pass over that leader because he's standing in the cleansed blood of another leader. Communion. I know that blew by most of our listeners. I'm sorry. I really do feel bad for you. How profound truths like that will literally fly like a bird right by your house. You don't get it. A leader is passed over by demonic influence because that patriarch is submitting to the blood of another leader that's protecting his household. And there's no darkness coming in that house. Leader, is that your blood over your doorpost? Is that someone else's blood? Or is it the blood of Jesus, your real leader? If I remember correctly, gave us the gift of having him live inside us through a born-again experience. So when a demonic spirit walks by you, your body is the vessel, the doorway. Is that demonic spirit sensing the power of the blood of Jesus or your own blood, sweat, and tears? Great question to answer. If you're in need of getting saved and you have no clue what words to pray, many of you who correspond with me through emails are constantly asking for more of my prayers. Well, all those prayers in that book of prayers are not mine. There are times when the Lord has spoken these prayers that I prayed, and then he says, write it down. Because a lot of people need to read it to join in on a doctrinal prayer. So I'd be more than chat with, uh, be willing to chat with you about how to be led to Jesus Christ to live inside you. At 602-292-2982. Text me. I will reply. Since self-earned wise men strive to be noticed, through their own self-acquired qualifications, in their passion to gain attention, the Lord passes over them. In fact, in our passage, Paul is communicating they, quote, they are beneath even the slight notice as completely and totally disregarded as having no existence. Now, an unbeliever, God looks at them as having no purpose for existing. There's no value to him. For a true indwell believer, there is no existence for our self-effort works in his kingdom, so he overlooks them. He doesn't overlook us because we have the blood over our doorpost. He overlooks our self-effort actions. 
And that was the comfort God brought me this week. Stephen, my redeemed, I will never overlook you. I can't. I'm in you. For I do not overlook myself. For I will never overlook you. But I will overlook your efforts. Your call. Here's our identity matter statement for tonight. This is his design. To be nothing is to be everything in Christ. It is this sobering truth that releases Christ in the believer to be everything. Those leaders, believers who are most confident in their self-earned skills will fall. They will fail. Literally being brought to nothingness. All who feel secure and think it is impossible that they can succeed outside of his release are practicing sin. They're not abiding or dwelling in the life of Christ and they need to be broken. They are wholly deceived by way of their highest estimate of themselves. Self-esteem, listen carefully, listener. Self-esteem is a cursed word in the vocabulary of the Lord. Interesting note. Google it. The number one topic in the world today for books is self-esteem. The writing of books is endless. The devotion to books is weariness to the body. Jesus does not need a degree to use you in this calling. He just needs a dependent, broken vessel. Because you don't have the energy then to muster it up. And he says... Excellent. Let's get her done. Please contact us if you have any questions. I love comments. I even enjoy hate mail. As weird as that sounds, send it. Because it is through that doorway that you could discover the truth that sets you free. Plus, I enjoy learning from the Spirit through other people. So in that link below, just click on it or tap on it. Send me a little message and we'll get a dialogue going. But until next time, we appreciate you joining this class, this course, this lecture, this sermon, whatever the context that you have been listening to. Keep in mind that the Identity Matters podcast has over 890 sermons posted that we have posted through the years. So check it out. Lots of resources available for you. Until next time.